Welcome to the Make Life Less Difficult podcast. This podcast explores what it means to make life less difficult for each other and for ourselves. We share stories of struggles and successes because we believe sharing our stories eases the difficulty of life. I'm Lisa Tilstra, your host. Let's jump into today's conversation. My guest today is Shannon Cochran Izquierdo. Shannon is coming back to the podcast for a second conversation, which we committed to having during our first conversation, which is back on episode 13. If you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend you take some time to listen. Shannon is the founder of Coaching Courage, a coaching firm working with leaders, teams, and organizations to reframe the way they see themselves. Shannon is passionate about inspiring and motivating leaders to embrace their courage as they transition into their best selves. Shannon also supports and empowers women, minorities, and members of the LGBTQ community to strengthen their leadership capacity. She's an active volunteer with the St. Baldrick's Foundation, where she voluntarily shapes her head each year to raise money and awareness for children's cancer research. We will share in today's conversation that coming up on October 1st, Shannon will again be shaving her head to bring awareness to the St. Baldrick's Foundation, to children's cancer, to the need for funding research. So I encourage you to be sure to look for the links in the show notes so that you can find out more information on that and maybe even look for ways to participate. In our conversation today, we also talk about multiple significant pivots that Shannon has had in her life and how she's managed those. Some of those pivots have been voluntary, some of them involuntarily. We talk about embracing the various pieces of ourselves and the difficulty in doing that at some times, especially the darker pieces that we may not love or even like about ourselves. Shannon, as always, steps into and embraces the courage that she talks about with others. Specifically, she shares bravely about her experiences with depression. As someone who appears extroverted, energetic, and always positive, Shannon invites us into parts of her journey that are real and vulnerable, and I am incredibly grateful. Shannon, thank you for this conversation. Thank you for your willingness to come back for part two. Thank you for sharing so graciously. I know that many who listen will connect and will feel less alone because of your sharing. And this, as we discussed in our conversation, is a way to make life a little less difficult. Shannon, welcome back to the Make Life Less Difficult podcast. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. This is such an honor to have you back. This is your second time. And I recently went back, I think it was, I'd have to look back at the actual episode. I'll link it in the show notes, but I think it was maybe episode eight. It was very early on, maybe 12, very early on that you were a guest and you were the first guest on my podcast who I had no prior connection with before we connected for the purpose of recording this podcast. And that was a really special occasion for me and sort of a milestone of something that I had really hoped for in this. And so really, really cool, almost a year later to come back for part two. Awesome. Well, thank you. And uh, that's my extroverted self coming out going, Hey, 
this person sounds really cool. Let me reach out and see if she might be interested in hearing my story. So yes, thank you for having me the first time. And again, now as well. Well, and at the end of our first conversation, we, we realized, I realized you mentioned something about, you know, some pivots in your life. And I was like, Shannon, we didn't even talk about the pivots. We talked about all these other, and you were so amazing and sharing your coming out story. And, you know, some of your stories of getting involved with St. Baldrick's, which we want to talk about again today too. Um, But such a courageous conversation that we had that first time. And then this realization at the end, I was like, we didn't even talk about that. Let's, (laughs) let's come back and do, do this another time. So I'm really excited to, to hear more of your journey and so grateful to you for being willing again, to courageously step into this space and be like, yeah, let's, let's share. Absolutely. Let's do it. So you have experienced a lot of pivots. And I remember our very first time talking before, you know, it's kind of like the pre conversation to the podcast recording where you were using this word pivot. And I'm like, Shannon, this is really interesting and intriguing and, and powerful. And where does it make sense to jump in today to sharing your pieces of your story and your journey around the many different pivots I think I can, might be a good place to start with, um, one, what my degrees are and where I am now. So maybe in the beginning, um, talking a little bit about that and then what what roles that actually led me to as I changed and evolved. Um, and so my degrees, one, my bi- bachelor's is in biology education, so the sciences. Mm-hmm. Uh, my master's degree is in forensic science with a, uh, an emphasis in technical investigations. And so critical thinking, very black and white, right versus wrong, not much gray area. And fast forward to now, um, a leadership coach, um, you know, building different leadership courses and uh, courageous leadership workshop. There's a lot of gray and every situation is dependent upon. You hear people saying, well, it depends. And it truly does depend. It took a lot of self-work and introspection, reflection, uh, mindfulness, meditation, a lot of things for me to work on myself and really peel back my own onion layers to figure out who I really was at the core. And I started to see that shift into, huh, well, maybe this situation is, is right, in quotes, air quotes, or correct in this situation. And maybe it's not in another situation. So it literally depends. Another thing you'll all often hear in that gray space is trust the process. Oh my gosh, that was the one of the most difficult things that I had. I still that I hear because I'm like, oh gosh, oh gosh, oh gosh, how do I trust the process? Okay, just believe everything's gonna, it's, it happens for a reason. I do believe that. How do I really embrace that and just let it happen? That is yeah. so hard. Yeah. Uh, previously, when I was in my, um, my very analytical black and white life, if you will, little bit of gray. Um, I had a plan for everything. Mm-hmm. That's back when I made lists for everything. That's back when I I planned everything. I had a plan A, a plan B, sometimes a plan C. And now it's like, eh, we'll see what happens. It'll all work <laughs> out. <laughs> and it's been, so it's been a, a really a 180 and discovering who I am, who I want to be, and modeling that behavior, 
And it, it doesn't mean that I'm perfect. I am far from perfect. Um, but it's really in embracing the imperfections that I have, the flaws that I have, and understanding that that's part of the value that I bring. And it's part of what connects with other people because I'm not perfect. And and I will tell people that I am far from perfect. I know you have me. Some people have me on this pedestal. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> Trust me. There's there's stuff underneath there that I don't share often with people. Um, so I think the the first thing um, that black and white led me to was I became a, a teacher, um, a public school teacher. And I taught for a little while in a private Catholic school as well. And it was teaching sciences. I mean, we're talking biology, chemistry, uh, physical science, botany, zoology. Um, and I was also a high school volleyball coach at the same time. But I really, really loved teaching my students, watching the light bulb come on. And I was so organized that at some point I'm like, you know, what else can I do? The money isn't great here. However, I love my students. Mm -hmm. How can I take that love and that passion and do something else where I'm going to be able to own my own car one day, own my own home one day. Um, and so that led me back to college. Um, I did have encouragement from my wife. So I definitely want to throw that in there as she was, you know, encouraging me, if this is what you want to do, just go for it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'll do it then. So I applied for the master's program at the university of central Oklahoma. Um, I got into the forensic science program, specifically in the technical investigation program, <clears throat> and absolutely loved it. And so the hard sciences within that, combined with the law piece, um, led me to the FBI. So, so you have law. black and black and white science. You're adding black and white law. <laughs> and yes. You're going out of the FBI. Like there's, yes. there's like black and white on top of black and white on top of black yes. and white. <laughs> And now yeah. it's just a rainbow of colors. I mean, quite literally. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> as you dig, you find these areas that you're like, what? Where did that come from? And then you mm. see these other ones, you're like, oh, this colorful person. And I wasn't always this, um, if you will, free and bold. Mm. Now, some people from my high school might say I was. I don't, I don't know what all of their opinions would be um, around that. But the person I am now is, is most definitely different than the person that I was then. The core of who I am is the same, but the evolution and recognizing and being able to look back at things and say, hmm, maybe I didn't handle that situation in the best way, not considering the gray uh, that was there because I couldn't see it. So it's yeah. that blind spot that I had um, at the time. And so, yeah, I, I was a teacher. I absolutely loved it. I talked to someone that was in, I actually went on ride-alongs in the local lot with local law enforcement in Oklahoma city. Cool. That was fascinating. I have such admiration for every, every officer that goes out there unknowing what they're going to walk up to when they walk up to a car, a scene, anything. It's, yeah. I, I looked at one officer and I said, this is so not for me. <laughs> I admire you <laughs> for what you do, but please don't leave me in the car by myself anymore without a weapon. <laughs> And so we had some really good laughs. We had a lot of fun, but it really provided me with a bird's eye view of what they do on a daily basis. Mm. Um, and I did my practicum when I was going through my master's in the child abuse forensics unit. Wow. That was also um, very illuminating. I did not, they would not allow me to look at any photos because they said, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And oh, so I so difficult. appreciate that, that they did not allow me to do that. However, I did see the way that they go about, in some cases, the 
you know, investigation with the, the perpetrator, also with the children. So it was very illuminating in respect to that. And I was the first person from UCO that actually uh, did my practicum outside of the crime scene investigation unit. Mm. And so that was something else setting a precedent. Um, and then I applied, I went and talked to Harvey Pratt at the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation because I thought I wanted to be a forensic artist. I love, I love so, art. And again, here we are kind of dipping my toe into that gray area yes. of art. And I've always loved to draw. And that's a way that I kind of express myself. And uh, so something else a lot of people don't know about me. Um, yeah. And I went and talked to him and, and he's a Native American. And I mentioned that because he looked at me and he had this like deep look and we had just met and he just was kind of sitting there just staring at me and I looked at him and I said what are you what are you thinking and he said Shannon I don't see you at the state or local level or I don't see you at the local or the state level I see hmm. you at the federal level and I mean I think I got chills at that point and I was like oh I'm getting okay. chills right now right what did he see what do you he think saw he saw me being at the federal level he said I see you being at the federal level I'm trying to think of who I know that I could put you in touch with and I was mm -hmm. like, he doesn't even know me. What is he yeah. seeing? Yeah. And we had this amazing conversation around, because I told him, I said, I don't do dead bodies. I've learned that during my master's. I said, I feel that energy. Mm. And if it's something that's been very violent, I can almost, it almost plays like a video in my head and mm. I can see what happened. It's really bizarre, um, but apparently it's a thing. Um, mm. And so I've really tried to embrace my spiritual side as well. And he had shared a story about how uh, bones are very sacred to the Native American culture. Mm. And he, when he shared that with me, he said that he used to struggle with that and that he still does. And I want to say that he goes through like a process now when he has to, to handle bones mm. um, for that reason, because wow. it's very sacred. And so it was really intriguing, very interesting, very illuminating. And I have such respect for him um, and for really everyone that has influenced me up to this point in helping me to find my own way. So I did apply to the FBI as an agent. Um, I was accepted. I started a new agent training program in 2004. Um, and in doing so, it was, <laughs> I never experienced the heat in Virginia. Let me just say that the mm. heat and humidity. And at the time, um, I'd been training. I had a trainer. I was in great shape. Um, but I experienced an injury during training. And so that injury changed the course of my entire career. Pivot. Pivot. <laughs> big, big pivot. So big teacher, pivot. FBI agent trainee, huge pivot with injury. I went into two years of um, a really, really dark time um, mm -hmm. of struggling with my identity, figuring out, oh my God, I gave up everything. I'm no longer a teacher. What now? Yeah. When I couldn't finish the training because of my injury, um, I felt like a failure and I felt like I'd left myself down. I felt like I'd let everybody down that had been, you know, rooting for me to make it through this program. And so I went into, at, now I know this, I didn't know this then, but I went into this deep depression. Mm -hmm. And um, so for two and a half years, I stayed with the FBI, became an intelligence analyst, worked on a lot of really interesting, cool things. Um and in that process, I ended up moving out to the Washington, D.C. area to work at headquarters uh, before I was at a field office. And so another pivot. Yeah. And 
I met some people during training that were like, hey, we have these positions open. Are you interested? And I was like, well, I'm I'm wanting to be in a leadership position eventually. And I want to go where the promotions are mm-hmm. and where they're really not the good work, but the the work that I would have um, where I would have the most impact. At least I mm-hmm. thought that at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, ended up at headquarters and in comes another friend that had left the FBI previously and said, I'm working for this government contractor and she's got a position open and I really think you'd be a great fit. So for a while I was like, really? I'm loyal. I mean, I don't want to leave just, you know, and so I just kept kind of pushing her off. And so then one day she said, well, it sounds like, you know, I hear you talk about struggles that you're having and it's mostly around money right now living in this area. And I said, well, yeah, because this area is not cheap. Um, So what do you, what are you trying to say? So again, go talk to my program manager. I was like, will you leave me alone if I go talk to her? And she said, I will. And so I went and talked to her and throughout what I thought was this astronomical number. And it was, okay, so when can you start? I was like, wow. what? Seriously? And so I called my wife, um, my partner at the time, because we couldn't get married until 2015. Um, and she said, take it, take it. And I was like, all right, I wanted to make sure that you were good with this because this means I'm leaving, you know, government service and yes. the stability you have there versus the contracting world, which I was just learning about. So another yeah. huge pivot, Yes, I'm having to learn about what the contract world is, their leave is different, the way that they conduct business is different, um, you don't get to make decisions, you're only are able to make recommendations to the government staff, so I was giving up some of that um, ability to make decisions in the future. And less security, like a lot less yes. security in the contracting world. Yes, and so I quickly learned... Uh, so, well, let me back up. So in that position, I was, um, I basically was like a senior advisor um, and an analyst for programs. And I quickly learned when we lost that contract that my program manager that hired me had already put into place that they would not get rid of me if they lost. Nice. I didn't know to ask that question during uh, the interview because I wasn't a contractor before right. of how long is your current contract, when does it end, all of these things. So along the the journey that I've had, I've I've learned how to negotiate my salary. I've learned questions to ask. Um, I've learned how to uh, dress up my resume, if you will, to fit a particular position, leveraging the, the things that I've done in my past mm-hmm. and the trainings that I've had. And so in short, I've learned how to market myself. Mm. And that's something a lot of people struggle with. And it took a long time. Yeah, that's not easy. It's a, it's mm-hmm. always easier. Or I find it much easier to promote and market other people. Than yes. Myself. Yes. Yeah. It It is so much easier. And so it, it took it took some time. And I, I help other people too that are struggling with that that say, you know, hey, how do you do this? Okay. Or they want me to look at their resume. And I'm like, I know that you've done these things. Where is that? Yes. And they're like, well, I didn't think to put, I mean, it kind of sounds braggy. And I'm like, you're going to be up against someone that's going to put that in there. Mm-hmm. Do you want them to know that about you? Or would you prefer to keep that quiet? Because all they have is what you're putting in front of them. Right. And so I think, again, that's kind of where marketing as a whole started to evolve for me as well, um, is learning to market myself, learning how to market things that I was doing, learning to market other people and things that they were doing, because I'm also a connector. And I'm always thinking strategically about when I hear someone talk about something they're passionate about, 
who else do I know that would benefit from knowing this person? And I think I've always done that since I was probably a little kid. And so for me, it just comes very natural. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have pivoted from, you know, being a senior advisor. I've been a strategic communications professional. Currently, I'm an instructional designer. So designing course content and um, it's almost sort of going back to my teaching roots now. Interesting. Yeah. You're kind of coming like a full circle. circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And taking all I've learned and the stumbles, the falls, getting back up, looking at it, trying to find the silver lining in each thing, including having surgery on both of my lower legs because mm-hmm. of the injury I suffered at the FBI Academy. Um, and, you know, and it's something that I believe happened for a reason. Um, and who knows, it could have very well saved my life that that happened. Um, and I may never know that, but I am enjoying what I'm doing now and looking for the future and, and kind of embracing that gray of not knowing where my future is going to lead me, but being open to seeing when those doors open, when other doors close and it's time to move forward and not taking that on as a failure, but yet a lesson that I can take with me. Yeah. There's so much wisdom there, Shannon. And and I, I'd be curious to hear a little bit about along the way, these pivots, these significant changes, mm-hmm. some of them voluntary and some of them involuntary. Yes. Um, these can be difficult when you're in the midst of them. And and mm-hmm. what's our saying? Hindsight is 2020. And <laughs> once we have some space and distance, it becomes hopefully easier to look back and see like, oh, okay, I see the dots connecting now, but in the midst of it, it can be devastating, right? And so especially the involuntary pivots, like your injury, that your dreams just were kind of blown up, right? And and like, whoa, I took all of this risk. I took all of these chances, made these decisions. And now for for what, right? In the midst of that, it, it brings me back to the theme of our the podcast, making life less difficult. And those situations are ones that I look at and I'm like, those are extremely difficult, right? And there's no magic wand to fix it and make it easy or make it all better in the moment. And I'm just curious in your reflections back at this point, what and or who helped make that time less difficult? I would definitely say my, my partner, my wife now, um, continue to encourage me, continue to look at me and say, you're not a failure. Getting in was a success mm. uh, to getting into the FBI. Um, the friend group that we had in Oklahoma City at the time, uh, really helping to support me, I think was was huge because some of them were also already in the FBI and knew how difficult it was to even get you know, a placement in there. Yeah. And so um, as an agent, well, probably as a whole, but as an agent in this case. And so I think that having having their support and their encouragement and seeing the difference that I was making, even though I wasn't an agent, I think really helped helped me see that there's a bigger purpose here. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see that at the time, but I think later, like you said, when I was looking back, I thought about all the lives that I touched and all the lives that touched me. And each each um, intersection, if you will, of these different lives, I know for me helped cor- course correct me, if you will, mm. into where I feel like I was supposed to be. Mm. 
I think that was a huge launch point for whatever it is that I'm supposed to be doing in the future. And at the time, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't see it. All I could see is the failure. I felt like I couldn't get back up. I felt like I had let myself down and everybody else around me down. Um, And that's when I was talking about slipping into that, you know, deep depression, which I didn't know at the time. I just remember thinking, I don't want to get off the couch. I just want to hide in my house. I mean, I just, I don't want to go anywhere because I don't want to face that failure. And, um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of lessons in it. And I think the silver lining, there were several things in the silver lining later that I learned. I wouldn't be where I am now had that not happened. I mean, I may not be here today, you know, had that not happened. Yeah. And it's, it's so powerful, right? Like the, the people in your life, Mm -hmm. your, your partner, um, the friends, the connections that you had. And as you're describing that, what I'm thinking is, you know, for, for the vast majority of us, it comes quite naturally to encourage our friends, Mm -hmm. our loved ones, people we care about when they're feeling down or have gone through tough times. And, you know, I, I think probably like if, I would guess if you asked your wife, like she didn't feel like she was doing anything heroic in that moment to like, just say, Hey, it's okay. You look at all you have accomplished. It's not a failure. And I I just point that out because I feel like we can make such a positive difference in people's Mm -hmm. lives and make life less difficult Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by just showing up in a way that Mm -hmm. for most people comes quite naturally and Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be some heroic act, but but it can feel heroic to the person on the Mm -hmm. receiving end. And I just think that's a really powerful opportunity that, yeah, we all have. And it, and I, I think to not discount like, oh, whatever, of course, I'm going to encourage my friend to, mm-hmm. to not um, discount how, how much of a positive impact that can make in somebody's life. Yeah. And I think it's easy from being the one that was receiving that it's, it's, I was hearing it, but there's a part that wasn't believing it and yeah. didn't feel like I deserved that. Yeah, And so I was struggling with that as well. And it was almost like, you know, I wasn't good enough going back to feeling like, you know, I had imposter syndrome of maybe it was an accident that I was let in. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it wasn't. And later I realized and, and still I'm realizing the value that I bring to other people mm-hmm. and to myself. And it's, it's, it's absolutely a journey. It's still a journey, yeah. you know, getting to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, if you're willing, Shannon, I would love to hear, you know, you mentioned that time where you, you realized later it was depression, but in the midst of it, mm-hmm. you didn't know to call it that. And I, mm-hmm. you know, similarly had times where it wasn't until sort of, um, you know, the depression lifted a little bit and, you know, in my experience, it was quite situational around um, my husband's passing and some of the anniversaries, especially where mm-hmm. I didn't even realize like this heavy, I described it kind of as a fog that settled over me mm-hmm. and my life until it kind of lifted at some point. And it was like, oh, wow, that was, I was depressed. I didn't even realize it. And, and I think mm-hmm. for people who haven't experienced that, it can be hard to understand. How can you not know? And and yet, you know, like in the midst of it, it it's yeah. So I don't know if if you could share just a little bit more about that because I think sure. that that is a a difficult place to be as well. Yeah, I, I mean it absolutely is. And thank you for sharing, 
you know, what you just did, because it's not easy to talk about those things. Mm -mm. And especially when people see you a certain way. Mm -hmm. And for me, a lot of people see me on the outside as someone that's colorful, that's bold, that's funny, that's always smiling. And they have a hard time, I I think, um, recognizing that there's this other part of me that is, um, you know, another instructor kind of gave me the word, the shadow self. Mm. And I feel like that's, it's always a passenger with me. I know, I know that person's there. Um, and it almost feels like you're a shell of who you are when you're in that moment. And a lot of people, I think, have a hard time putting a name on it because we associate it with what we know best, which is, well, I'm just sad right now. Well, this happened and, you know, it's upset me but it's so much deeper than that. And it's to the point where you can listen to songs, you can read all the motivational quotes and everything in the world. It doesn't, it doesn't stop that feeling. And that feeling sometimes can be consuming to the point of your self-talk becomes, um, you know, what value do I add being here for me? Anyway, that was some of my self-talk. Um, would people be better off without this challenge in their life? And that was, you know, around me being gay, you know, bringing, feeling like I was bringing that on my family. Um, A lot of my friends didn't know when I first came out and it was a a huge heaviness. And I thought if I'm this broken person, you know, would I be, would they be better off without me? Mm. Would this world be better off without this person that I am? And that's how I felt at the time. And so going through that in that dark two years, it was questioning, am I good enough to do this? And this constant just churning, almost like a tornado in my mind of, I couldn't see the light. All I could see was this darkness and I could not find my way out. And for a long time, and it was almost like I could visualize my wife's hand coming in and kind of offering that, you know, let me help you get out of it. And so when I came out of it and I look back and I'm thinking, you know, wow, that was, that was a time where, you know, I, I honestly didn't know what the next day held. And it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of an out of body experience. It has been for me where I know sometimes I shouldn't be feeling the way that I'm feeling. Mm. I have a great life. I've got a great wife that loves me. We've got amazing fur babies that love Mm. us. We love them. We've got a great friend group. Um, we've, which we call, I call family, which we talked about the first time. Yeah, um, I love that. You know, and I've got a lot of a lot of amazing people in my life, and so there's no realistic reason other than this is something that's going on. You know, it's it is truly a mental health issue. It's a challenge. It's um, a chemical imbalance. That that's the only way that I mean that is what it is. And when you try to explain it and put it into words, I mean, it reminds me of a conversation my wife and I had one day where she said, I I don't understand. And I said, and I'm so glad that you don't. Mm. She goes, what do you mean? And I said, Mm. because I don't want anyone to ever feel what I'm feeling right now. And I said, this is a dark place. And if you imagine trying to think of it in a kind of a descriptive area, if someone walks in a dark room and it's pitch black dark. You can't see anything. So you don't know which way's up, which way's down. You you can't see even a little pinhole of light. Yeah. I think when I'm in the deepest, darkest place, that's kind of what it feels like. 
And it's like, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to get, you know, navigate my way out of this? There's no light that I can find. Mm. And what I've started thinking about now, when I get into those situations is there's always light there. You just have to look for it. Mm. That's not always a fix in terms of how I feel, Mm. but I then will tell myself this will pass. This is not all of who I am. This is a part of who I am. And sometimes this part of who I am will take over and crowd out the other parts that people are used to seeing of who I am. And that's when sometimes I'll go dark, you know, pardon the pun, but -hmm. I'll go dark and I won't be posting on LinkedIn. I won't be posting on Instagram. I won't be posting on Facebook. I just kind of disappear. And, you know, I don't think I've had anyone kind of reach out and say, hey, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Haven't seen you out here. And I think part of that is just a, a situation of people are used to instant gratification People don't really want to see those, those other things that you're struggling with. They want to see the happy, the great pictures, the, oh, you went on this fun trip. Great. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't want to see that other part because that's, you know, some people would say, oh, it's a Debbie Downer. It's a wet blanket. It's, you know, this, that, and the other, whatever names or phrases that people associate with that. And so for me, I've become really good at, I didn't know this, but I know it now at disguising it. Mm -hmm. and of putting on different faces for different situations and it's I don't look at it as being of not being myself I think that is part of being my authentic self Mm -hmm. is it is part of who I am Mm -hmm. and as I've peeled back those layers of my own self and done that hard work I've started to recognize that depression is part of it's part of what makes me me Mm -hmm. and I want to let other people know that you will get through it you can get through it. And though you struggle with this challenge, that makes you imperfectly perfect. Mm. Just being yourself and you're going to help a lot of other people. I hope that my story will help other people in regards to this is a thing, even someone that people recognize as being happy all the time and all of that, there's something underneath that is not always happy. And I hope that that helps other people that are struggling. Um, just know that you're okay hmm. and you will get through this and it's okay and, to ask for help too. Yes. And and I think the way that you are describing the parts of yourself is really powerful. And I resonate with that as, you know, going through different times of depression in my own life. And I have always, I, I have always continued to be able to function Right. And, and sometimes depression is, is such that people just really like everyday mm-hmm. activities, like you just can't function in any of it. And I feel grateful. Like on one hand, I feel really grateful because when I've been depressed, I'm still like from the outside appearance, right. Nobody would know how I'm feeling inside on the, on the flip side is nobody would know. So nobody asks and it feels really alone and, yes. and dark. And I think, um, you know, there was a time in my life where it was, this is something to fix. This is something, you know, that is broken and to shift away from that and to say, this is a part of me for whatever reason. Um, there, there is a part of me that is prone to, and sometimes it's not depression, but prone to the melancholy. I, I can really be in that space. And there's also times where, um, I know I need to show up for work. And <laughs> the the way I've put it is like, 
it, it's a it's a performance in an athletic sense like not a performance in like putting on a mask and acting it's it's truly like a performance in a athletic sense that okay you don't you don't want that part of myself of how I really feel <laughs> inside yeah. uh I want to show and I I want to show up you know with with a different part of myself and honoring those different parts and saying they're all part of this whole person that I am is an interesting it's been a helpful perspective for me to say like okay all these parts mm-hmm. are okay it's not that there's something necessarily that's broken and and terrible and and you know I need to try to get rid of and I'm not okay until it's completely yeah. gone from my life you know yeah and I love the way you put that because it's that is that is how what makes each of us up is we all have different pieces of the puzzle if you will yes that make us up I mean some people have trauma in their life that they're they're having to you know not put in its place but having to live with yes um you know, I've got depression. I'm having to live with it. So how do I live with it and not let it consume me and take over this other part of myself that I really love that people see? And it it truly is, in my opinion, pieces of ourselves. And back to the onion, we all have we all have our own layers. Mm-hmm. And you know, some of those layers are not going to be pretty, and some of those layers are going to be incredible in a great way. And others are not going to be what we expect in our journey. And they're going to take us down a different path. And if we, I think if we look at it as whatever path we take, there's lessons along that path. And we often hear that saying something about, um, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Mm. And there's so many lessons in the journey. Yeah, that's for sure. And coming from someone that's always been, I've got to achieve this because that's the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to do this. I've got to do that because that's how I define success when I was younger is mm-hmm. how many achievements do I have? Now I'm looking at, wow, what am I learning on this journey? <laughs> what lesson mm-hmm. did I just learn by doing that? That was really dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, or <laughs> how can I do this better? And here, let me slow down because I'm used to moving you know, at 100 miles an hour. Slow down and see what begins to emerge for me. Yes. Give my life some space so that I can actually see these things and not miss them mm-hmm. as I'm flying down the highway, if you will. Uh, and so I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a great analogy, if you will, or metaphor of just, you know, it's like pieces of a puzzle. It's pieces mm-hmm. of yourself. Mm-hmm. They yeah. all make you, you. Yes. Yes. And, and I think, so I just was visiting with my my parents and my mom loves puzzles and it's a it's a fun pastime when I'm home visiting that we do puzzles and she was working on some puzzles while I was there and so I have this visual in my mind as you say that and one of her puzzles she had um had was missing one piece and in the end you're you're just kind of disappointed right you do all this work oh man there's one piece missing and it's still okay. It's still nice and stuff, but it makes me think about this embracing our whole self mm-hmm. and these different pieces. And if there's a piece, and I know in times, again, in my life, I've tried to get rid of different pieces of myself. Yes. Like, I don't like that piece. And yet it, it that piece by itself isn't very pretty. In my, in my mom's puzzle, it was quite a dark piece with some 
blacks and greens and 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 that piece in and of itself you're like well that's an ugly piece we could throw it away and yet when all the pieces are together then it it all makes sense and it makes this beautiful tapestry and it makes me think about the rainbow of colors that you described yourself as and there's so much beauty there so I I really love this visual yeah and so you know I think understanding that depression is part of who I am for me I want to I've always since I was a little child wanted to make a difference in the world and I am my mom's only and so I you know I'm the only daughter she had and uh, only child she had and so I want to make an impact in the world I feel like I'm here for a reason and I think that these pieces and parts of myself can hopefully have that impact. And one day when I'm not here, you know, I also hope that the things that I've done and the things that I've been a part of in my life will leave a lasting legacy of hopefully radiating positivity. Mm. And I I appreciate so much you being willing to share these stories. And, you know, in the first conversation we had, you sharing your coming out story and the courage that it takes to to step into that and and share and then you know to share more pieces of this part of your life where you have mm-hmm. depression and it's a part of you and and there've been really dark and difficult spots and and you know growing through that and and accepting and getting help and and all of that um the work you do is all around courage Shannon yes. and you it, you embody that in such a powerful way and I yeah I just want to take a moment to just really affirm you for your courage and know I just know that so many people are impacted in a positive way and these the stories that you know I run into people who I I listen to part of their story and I'm like would you be on my podcast and and I've had a couple people who say Oh, I, I don't, I couldn't talk about that. I don't want my kids to know about my past and my struggles. And I feel so ashamed and I, I listen and it just, it makes me a little sad because over and over stories that I hear when people share about parts of their lives, or I share something in my life that I feel ashamed of, and maybe I shouldn't talk about this or admit it. I would say 99% of the time, someone is grateful that I was willing to share someone resonates, someone connects. And like, that's at the part of it. And the 1% of the time where someone's uncomfortable and is like, yeah, you shouldn't have shared. Well, okay. Who cares? Right? Like, (laughs) let me focus on the 99% where it does create a connection. Um, So I'm, yeah, I'm really grateful for your sharing and courage. Thank you. Thank you. The other, the other thing that you were just saying about your desire to make an impact on the world just seems like a perfect place to pivot <laughs> in, into um, your work with St. Baldrick's. And it, this, I'm not sure the exact date that this will be live, but I think it'll be towards the end of September and October 1st is going to be a special day for you. So um, talk about this. This is something you've been involved with since 2005. And I, I would say like you are making such a huge and significant difference in the world, Shannon. So tell us a little bit about this. Thank you. I appreciate that. St. Baldrick. So 2005, I uh, shaved for the first time and I'm talking literally bald. I was a little terrified at what my head was going to look like. I had no idea. 
Yeah. Um, but once I got past that and started looking at the bigger picture, we've been talking about pieces and parts of ourselves and um, how our paths and our journeys are guided by different people. Um, I was impacted by a person that came into the bar that my wife was managing and I was in there um, and she was bald. And I remember asking her about it. She just tears started flowing down her cheeks and she says, oh my gosh, I was walking down in the middle of Oklahoma City and I saw these children. And I just told them, they were telling their stories about having, you know, cancer and cancer research. And she said, I was so moved that I went up on the stage and I said, what do I need to do to help? And she said, I I donated some money. They shaved my head and she goes, oh my gosh. She goes, it was just incredible. And so the next year we had like 32 women that got together in a team and we all went and raised money and shaved our heads. And I, I think I told the story in the first podcast where a lady was coming up to me and as she was walking in closer, I remember looking kind of side to side and thinking, is she coming to me? Hmm. And as she got closer, I saw the tears streaming down her cheeks and she started pulling her wig off. Mm. and immediately um, looked at me and asked if she could give me a hug. And I said, of course. And she said something to the effect of you were a beautiful woman before you went up on that stage. And now your inner beauty is shining through and we need more women like you. And I was so touched in that moment that I, I vowed that I, regardless of what I did in my life, what position I was in, how high up the ranks I went in, whatever organization I was in, I would continue shaving. And so I wanted to have that kind of impact on other people. And I haven't had cancer, knock on wood, thank goodness, hopefully never will. Um, I've been impacted by people in my life that have. Mm -hmm. Um, Some young people in my family that have have had cancer. And so I shave in their honor. Um, I was also very moved by um, Emily Ringham, who tells her own story. At 10 years old, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And she's now living and in her 20s and is successful and living and thriving and is just an amazing, incredible person. She doesn't view herself as a hero. Mm-hmm. I view her as a hero, someone that inspires people daily. And for children like Emily, I continue to shave. And so this year is number 14. It's going to be on October 1st. It'll be virtual. And anyone else that wants to get involved, you're more than welcome to get involved and shave it in the, you know, in your own home if you want to. If there's an event, they're all over the world. You can shave. Doesn't cost you any money. You can raise money. You can raise awareness for it. You can volunteer at an event if you don't want to shave. Um, so there's all different kinds of ways to get involved. And for me, what keeps me coming back are the families, the children, and my desire to make a difference. And seeing the difference I've made in talking with other event organizers, in the chil- with the children, with families, with people that are in my life, I want to keep doing this for as long as I can because I know my hair will grow back and I know that these children don't have that choice. They don't know what their hair is going to look like if it grows back. They don't know if it's going to grow back. They don't have a choice when they're bald and they get the stares and they get the, you know, people wondering what's wrong with them. And when you're bald, especially as a female, when you're bald, you get stares. You have people that think you're sick. 
they don't they don't know what to say. They get uncomfortable around you. So I like to wear a pin that says, ask me why I'm bald <laughs> to kind of uh, cut through that. Yeah. And it gives me an opportunity to talk about the St. Baldrick's Foundation and their the research and how important it is and how little money they get. And so all of these volunteer uh, events around the world are raising money for children's cancer research because it's not the same as adult cancers. I didn't know that when I first got involved. No, I don't think many people do. Yeah. And so for me, it's something that I want people also, you know, I think about a legacy. I want people to remember and be inspired by uh, finding something that they're passionate about and thinking of selfless acts that you can do. And for me, this is something that it's, it's not easy in terms of I'm as vain as the next person. Let's be honest. Mm. My hair is part of my identity. I love my hair, but it's something that I don't mind giving up for such an amazing cause. And I've seen how it inspires other people. And so for me, I want to be remembered too, as having that selfless side, um, Mm. that expressing the gratitude for the ability to be able to do this and honor that it is to shave in honor of these children and you can sponsor a child each time you shave. And so I've got four or five that I'll sponsor each year, different ones. Emily is always there, but there's always other ones that I inspire as well in the area that I live and also the area that I grew up in. Hmm. And um, so for me, it's just something that is, it's it's just something special to me. And it's um, touched me deeply. Like I said, the stories that the children have told, the stories that the families have told, when you receive hugs from the families thanking you, you begin to realize that it's so much bigger than you as an individual person. Yes. And there's, so a couple of things are standing out to me, Shannon. You know, I think that when it comes to causes and charity organizations, there's so many and so many different things. It sometimes can be overwhelming for people. And it's like, well, I don't know where, where to focus. And I think that there's real power in choosing one that resonates with, with us. And it doesn't mean you have to ignore everything else, but like, if, is there a, a, a charity, a cause, something that really resonates deeply for, for us as an individual and to follow that. And I know some people think I don't have any money I, or my donation can't make a difference and things like that. And, and the fact that you can make a difference by it having nothing to do with money, but being willing to walk around bald for, for a few mm-hmm. days, like you said, right? Because yeah. your hair is growing back. That's a guarantee yeah. where it's not for the kids who are losing their hair because of cancer treatments. Yeah. And so, and the fact, I love that you wear a pin, ask me why I'm bald, right? Because of course people are going to feel like what's happening. And, and yes. so to start that conversation and who mm-hmm. knows who might ask you, and learn who might have quite a bit of money to be able to give to a cause. And so the indirect contributions that one can make um, and, and just the fact that you, you do that act of shaving your head, not just giving money. There's something there that is really powerful too. Hmm. I think taking that extra step for me is, as you were saying earlier, embracing my own courage Hmm. of, how are people going to look at me? What are they going to think? And getting beyond that and getting beyond my own vanity Mm. and having experienced what it's like when you remove that part of yourself, your hair, Mm. 
it's almost like you remove that one of your protective veils that you have. And I've had people that have approached me, adults, um, friends of people that have had, you know, that have survivor stories or that have lost someone and have shared their story. Mm -hmm. And it's something, it was something completely unexpected when it first happened. Mm -hmm. Um, My wife used to shave, we used to shave together um, and we would go into restaurants and we would have our, you know, just our bald heads exposed. And it was amazing how many people we would run into that either had gone through treatment we're currently in treatment and would say, you know, would approach us. And, and those are the moments I think in our life that are part of the journey. There are lessons in there that you, there's no way to anticipate what you're going to learn from that experience. And the lessons just keep coming. And so for me, it's like every year, I never know what's going to come out of it that year. Um, but I know it's going to be something amazing, something that, again, is much bigger than me. The universe has some sort of plan for what's going to happen. And I'm inspiring people that I don't even know I'm inspiring. And that's, for me, that's a big part of why I feel like I'm here is to make a difference. You're trusting the process. I am. (laughs) I am embracing the gray space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really beautiful. If someone's listening and they're intrigued and want to learn more or reach out to you, is the best way we can put a link in the in the show notes or is there another way like that? Absolutely. We can do that. Um, I would say for the St. Baldrick's Foundation, if you want to learn more, you can go to www.stbaldricks.org, O-R-G, and you can learn you know, a lot about the St. Baldrick's Foundation. You can donate from the, the page there if you want to donate. If you want to sign up as a volunteer, you can search for events in your area. And again, around the world, they're all over the world. They're all voluntary, run by volunteers. You can sign up to be an organizer. It's free to do that. So there's all different kinds of ways to get involved. Um, if you want to go to my page and read more about my story, and the reasons that I'm involved, you're welcome to do that. Um, if you want to reach out to me, uh, Lisa can provide my email and I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. Nice. Yeah, thank absolutely. Yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll make sure that everything's linked in the in the show notes. Shannon, I I I want to I want to as we think about um, ending our conversation for today, I want to say let's plan on part three. <laughs> because I want to have more conversations with you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good with part three. Let's do it. (laughs) I, I feel such a great sense of, of gratitude. I'm as we're recording, I told you before we started recording, this is like the one year anniversary of uh, releasing the make life less difficult podcast. And I, I love these conversations and I feel like the, the podcast just provides this opportunity for me to have meaningful conversations that add so much beauty and inspiration to my life. And I, it's hard for me to put into words all the, the feelings and emotions I have having just spent the last hour and, and change with you and hearing your stories and your willingness to share and the courage. Um, So it doesn't seem adequate, but thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for creating this podcast. Thank you for providing 
so many amazing individuals the opportunity in this platform uh, to speak to you, to speak to your audience, um, and to touch people's lives. And I think that's what you're doing. So thank you for that as well. Mm, yeah, that is yeah. that is certainly my hope. Um, and congratulations on your one year too. Thank I have to you. add that in there. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> celebrate. That's a huge milestone. Yeah. Yes, and I'm excited to see what year two holds and um yeah it'll be fun it'll be a fun discovery process um shannon i just want to quick make a note and and actually i should just ask you to say briefly what you do in your work around courage um as a coach uh because i want to also include links to your your website there and i think you again you embody courage and and that doesn't mean you don't have fears and worries and concerns and stuff, but just say, say just a piece about what you, your work around sure. courage and how someone can connect with you if they're interested. Sure. So all of what I do in my business um, has a courage thread. And so I do leadership coaching and I want to help mid-level managers. I want to help um, leaders that don't necessarily have the leadership title, but want to uh, strengthen their gaps and really embrace their courage, increase, improve and increase their confidence, um, learn about what their strengths are and what gap areas they have to that they want to really build on. Um, I'm also studying to be a mindfulness coach. And so I want to really embrace that. I know it's helped me tremendously. And again, it takes a lot of courage to do that as well. Um, some people think that's kind of woo woo. I believe in it. I've seen the the, the benefits of it. Um, I do enjoy speaking to groups about uh, diversity and especially in the LGBTQ plus community, um, being a female in a mostly male dominated world. Um, those are different areas that involve courage that I, I like to speak on. And I also have a courageous leadership workshop that um, I'm working on fine tuning right now. And on my website, there will be a refresh coming in the fall because as my coaching and development and everything that I've done introspectively, I'm beginning to evolve mm -hmm. as a coach, as a speaker, as a workshop developer, just as a human being. So you're going to see some of that coming in the fall. And mm -hmm. so I would say that's a snapshot of who I am. Awesome. What Thank I you. do. Um, and just to, to verify and you're okay if someone reaches out to you through your website yes. to, to connect. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much. You bet.